0: What are enhanced benefits, and can they help you transform your client's traditional benefits array into a next-generation offering? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers.
1: Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see.
0: Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers Podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement that helps small and mid market companies escape the fully insured marketplace. And delivers stability, control, and savings without watering down employees' benefits or increasing their premium share. If you have clients in the educational institution or the engineering vertical, go to our website at CaptivatedHealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're pleased to be speaking with Eric Silverman. Eric is principal and owner at Silverman Benefits Group, one of the industry's most recognized and disruptive forces. In a practice area that you know about, but you may not recognize the terminology, we'll talk about that, enhanced benefits. With that, welcome, Eric. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, I know one of the things that you and I have spoken about, and we both have a passion for, is language and how precise it is and how sometimes imprecise it is. And I know some folks may not have heard of the phrase enhanced benefits. They know it as something else, a couple of other words that you don't feel really serve everybody well. So let's start at the beginning and talk about what these benefits have been previously called and why you don't think that's a good idea, why you think enhanced benefits is a better terminology.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been in the business now for nearly 18 years and. Many years ago, before the term voluntary was pretty much the standard as it is today, there was a lot of companies and a lot of people and a lot of brokers using terms like supplemental and supplemental turned into ancillary and ancillary kind of moved over to worksite and worksite moved over to voluntary. And I've never been comfortable with any of those terms because it's interesting if you if you actually look up the the definition of a lot of those terms and you read through them and and kind of do some self-reflecting and understanding of what those words mean, you realize that they're actually very negative words. And I've always been a big believer that words are are very meaningful and words are powerful, and they they have very specific messages that come across. Whether your intent is good or bad, it is what it is. So when the market kind of changed to voluntary as a generic term for employee-funded benefits, I think the problem with it ultimately is that Nobody really knows what that means. And if you really break it down, everything's voluntary. No matter what you do on a daily basis, everything's voluntary. Benefits are voluntary, whether you participate or not. So I really think that the reason why a lot of advisors and consultants and brokers have always struggled over the years with placing these types of benefits with cases and getting employees to, to have interest and, and see value is because of the word choice that they use. And about a year and a half or two years ago, I was at a conference with Nelson Griswold and we were talking, the entire room was talking about this topic. And as a whole, we came up with the term enhanced and I give Nelson credit for it. He coined the term enhanced benefits and I really loved it. I stuck with it, and I've been using it ever since, and slowly but very surely, it's catching on because if you think about it, there's nothing negative about the word enhanced. It's basically saying everything you're currently doing is terrific. All we want to do is enhance it, i.e. make it better, and that's what I believe these types of benefits do for an employer's benefit package and do for an employee with respect to who they're trying to cover for themselves and their family.
0: Once brokers incorporate that language, is the feedback that you're getting that it resonates more easily with prospects and with employers, or do they have to then explain what the heck enhanced benefits are?
1: You know, that's a good question. I don't know that, that that's as big of a deal as, as it may seem more, more to us. I think re- really what, the, what it breaks down to, David, is not using terminologies when you're talking to employers and employees that they're not familiar with. You know, we in the industry we know what STD, LTD, AD, and D, and every other acronym you can think of means. I mean, we know it like the back of our hand because it's what we do for a living. But when you're talking to an employer or an HR department, or by all means the end user who's the consumer, the individual who's going to end up voluntarily paying for it, you got to break it down to the ridiculous. You have to make certain that those employees and your clients to be understand what you're talking about. So when you say critical illness or critical care, when you say hospital indemnity, when you say, or as the industry says, voluntary, or as even I say, enhanced, I think it's more important that you explain what those meanings are and not just make assumptions. So, As you work with brokers, and I know you that's your practice,
0: you kind of break them down in, in this whole realm into four different categories. I'd like to explore each one of those if we can. And the first is you coin as the broker who ignores this until the client asks about it.
1: That is the number one category, sadly, what I would call the the status quo, the big one that needs to be changed and, as I would say, disrupted. The mass majority of brokers, advisors, consultants, small, mid-sized, large, even mega, for many years and still to this day, they ignore this industry. They ignore, ignore enhanced benefits until one of their clients contacts them and says, hey, I just had somebody randomly knock on my door, some cold calling, um, typically a carrier rep of some sort, or maybe even another brokerage by all means. and." They're looking to them for advice or guidance, and ultimately, that broker or that advisor may or may not be an expert on this industry. Typically, they're not, unfortunately, and they'll kind of they'll either talk the client out of doing it for reasons being typically they just don't want to or they don't need they don't know how to do it properly, i.e., the advisor, or the consultant. Or if they do take it on, they don't do as good of a job as they realize they should be. So therefore, they just ultimately just ignore this entire industry until it's kind of forced upon them, and that's a very incorrect way to do it, in my opinion. It's it's reactive, and we just my whole point in in the series of articles I've written is is I just want brokers to be more proactive.
0: And we'll have links to those articles in the show notes at shiftchapersonline.com. Once a a broker decides that it's something they're going to do, they kind of break down into those other three categories of the four that you identify. And the first is deciding to outsource to one insurance carrier. Good idea, bad idea, pros, cons?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. So I don't think, as long as it's not idea number one, David, I don't think any of them are a bad idea. I really don't. The number one thing people do is ignore. And number two, is, and it's pretty much the, the rule of thumb, the standard industry practice once an advisor or consultant decides they want to start taking their clients down the road of enhanced benefits is they partner with usually a single carrier rep, a single insurance carrier representative of some sort, and they become a, um, You know, if you're, if they're a carrier agnostic broker for health insurance, they become a single carrier insurance broker with respect to enhanced benefits. And there are pros and cons to many of those things. The biggest thing I always talk about with that is, um, it comes with a higher risk due to a large quantity of, frankly, carrier reps that are not to say it's true, but often perceived by the broker community as, as not being very professional or, Or dare I say, experienced. So it's very important for the for the broker to realize that and just make sure that they've vetted properly who they're working with. But again, being proactive is better than nothing. So as long as they're proactively bringing it to their account, I I wouldn't. If it was me, I wouldn't complain. I just want them to to embrace the industry and realize that their clients need their advice and guidance in a proper fashion.
0: Sure. Uh, The third category is we might say brokers who choose to jump into the deep end of the swimming pool. And they hire somebody in-house, like a VP or, or somebody, just for this practice area. How much of a commitment is that? How big a shop do you have to be for that to make sense?
1: Yes, so... That is, that's the, the big, the big hairy audacious goal that most brokers tell me they would love to, to do. And you're, you're spot on with jumping into the deep end on that one. I mean, it's a huge commitment. It's a huge risk for them. I've seen more often than not, typically 95% of the brokers I talk to, if they've ever tried this, where they hire a, Whatever term you want to call it, it doesn't matter. A vice president of voluntary or a vice president of enhance or a practice leader in that industry. What happens is they're, they're committing to 80, 100, 120, $150,000 a year base salary. They're sharing commissions, bonuses. They have fixed overhead, office space, corporate credit cards, expense accounts. There's so much initial upfront. And uh, ultimately, the ROI could potentially take a long time. So the average, smaller or mid-sized shop is probably not going to be able to go down this road, even though they'd really like to. But again, if they go down that road, it's still very, very proactive. So again, the, the theme is just making sure that they're not in category one. They're not ignoring the industry.
0: Right. And for those folks who understand what that kind of a risk is, I, I guess that gets us to category Four, which is folks that you say partner with a carrier agnostic shop. So let's define our terminology and talk about what is a carrier agnostic shop and then why it might be a good idea for some brokers.
1: Sure. So number one, ignore. Number two, going with a single carrier for the most part. Number three, bringing it in-house. Number four is kind of a hybrid of number two and three. Basically, number four is where you partner with a firm that has – in my opinion, they they should probably have a national footprint so they can take care of all your clients, no matter the locations around the United States. But moreover, they have specific relationships and contracts and underwriting concessions set up in advance where they can be agnostic, where they don't have to place every single case, no matter if it's 10 lives or, or less or or 20 lives or more, 500 lives or a 1,000, it doesn't matter. They can truly shop the market and bring in You know, it's cliche to say, but dare I say, bring in best in breed, best in glass products, services, and so forth. By doing it through a carrier agnostic shop, you're doing what truly is best for the client, and you're able to bring more value, and you're not tied to one specific insurance carrier.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects in the education and engineering verticals. The founders of Captivated Health have 35 years experience working with healthcare and benefit clients, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems mid-market clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace. Until now, Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems and does so with virtually no disruption to employees while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to your education and engineering clients that you advise. To learn more about Captivated Health's solution, go to our website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on our logo on the Shift Shapers website. One of the pieces that I know of advice that I know you give is that regardless of which one of these modes, other than the dreaded option one, that you choose, the key is for brokers to be proactive and intentional. Talk a little bit about what that means from an on-the-ground perspective.
1: So... Oftentimes, in my experience, when I'm talking to brokers myself, I'll have brokers who will will do a case or two with us over the years. They're not proactive, but if their client asks them if they do Again, using the terminology that sadly the industry uses, if they do voluntary, the broker can then say, yeah, we do it. Absolutely. If you ever are interested, give me a call and, and we'll take care of it for you. That's certainly not proactive and certainly not intentional. So in their mind, the broker consultant firm feels like they're falling into category. It doesn't even matter, category two, category four. But the reality is, they're not intentional. They're not proactively having that conversation every single year with their entire client base. So I think the key is when you're working with a when you're a broker and you and you decide you want to work with a partner to bring in enhanced benefits. I really think it's important that you put together a specific strategy to make sure that you have that proper conversation with every single one of your clients. So it's not just the one or two or three that asked for it, it's not just the three or four that already have some carrier in place that you want to BOR, take over a broker of record, but rather if you have a book of 50 or 100 commercial cases, you have that conversation with all of them, every single one, you leave no stone unturned.
0: So I guess for a long time, benefits advisors, brokers use whatever nomenclature you you prefer saw these things as kind of an add-on or a bolt-on. But today, the market shifted a lot. Can this be an especially lucrative part of someone's practice?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because for i mean go back to when i started i mean almost 18 years ago i knew immediately the easiest um easy is a, a interesting word to use but the the simplest way and the quickest way i should say to get off the ground running in this industry in my opinion was to partner with brokers partner with folks that already had a book of business and i went to market and did that and tried that i should say uh, and i failed i failed miserably because you know 17 18 years ago 15 years ago even 10, 12 years ago, the traditional core health broker was doing very, very well. They weren't struggling with compensation. There was no ACA to speak of. Carriers weren't cutting commissions. And they just kind of you know excuse me for saying, but you know to be blunt they they turned their nose at at what the industry now calls voluntary. they just didn't think there was money in it, they didn't think there was opportunity and to be to be perfectly blunt and honest David, they didn't have any belief they didn't have any conviction in in this industry or the products and services that that we represent, and therefore, if you don't have conviction in something and you certainly don't see any money in it, you just you you ignore it, you fall into category one, so over the years, they have very, very, very quickly realized that, or I maybe I shouldn't say quickly realized because it's still slow and steady. But they're starting to realize that this is not an industry that can be ignored. If they ignore it, they're ignoring what's of the best interest of their client, and they're also ignoring what's of the best interest of their practice with a revenue from a revenue perspective. So there's a tremendous amount of revenue for a for an agency to. Take advantage of and capitalize on. And again, they can do it with this single carrier rep. They can do it by bringing it all in house and taking on all the risk and reaping all the reward if and when it's, it's executed properly. Or they can partner with a carrier agnostic firm who will do it for them for the most part. But yeah, I mean, bottom line, there's, there's a lot of money here. And it's, I would even say, low-hanging fruit that is already being taken advantage of by folks in the industry. It's just a matter of if you're a broker or a consultant, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and who gets paid on it is is what it comes down to.
0: So I know one of the things that's been off-putting for some benefits advisors when they consider working in this enhanced benefits arena is they may have clients, you alluded to this earlier, who have multiple locations or multiple shifts or multiple locations with 24-hour round-the-clock shifts. And enrolling these cases is pretty daunting. Now, we spoke a few episodes ago in episode 175 to Allison DePauly, who who did a good job of explaining the value of that. The question for you is, if I'm a benefit advisor and this is something I want to do and I'm going to option four, which is to partner with a carrier agnostic shop, would I expect that shop to have that resource or would it still be something, an enroller that I would have to shop for myself?
1: Sure. Yeah. Good question. Very, very important. So- If you're a broker or a consultant, again, whatever terminology you want to use, and you have clients with employee locations or employees scattered across the United States, that's why it's so important to have a partner that has a national footprint. So if you, I I know you just, in your example, you said you're going to be number four, but if you were number two, as an example, and you partnered with a single carrier rep, as long as you're staying with that carrier, they can typically handle various locations across the country because they have a, they themselves have a national footprint, and that's great. I give them credit. But oftentimes, a a carrier agnostic firm, and and back to number four, they don't have that ability. So, they tend to be very, very and this doesn't make them bad in any, in any way, shape or form. In fact, a lot of them are very good, but they, they happen to be focused on their general, their geographic area. So it's important that they have a, a national footprint. It's important that they have access and distribution, whether it be in-house or outsourced. I'm not a big believer, to be honest with you, with enrollment firms in general, particularly the ones that, that more pay per diem or that, um, or that only handle the large case market, which is um, a vast majority of them, and I'm not a big fan only because they're busy and they they charge a lot, quite frankly, and it's not transparent. And a lot of them have, I found, a lot of them have fees and minimums and and various what I would just call nonsense that brokers don't want to deal with. And you know, when I have a broker tell me, "Well, I would do it," but I have clients all over the country, and you know, once I pay the enrollment firm, there's just no money in it. I explain to them there is another way. There's certainly another way, and that really boils down to making sure that the partner firm that you work with has a has a top-level carrier contract with the carriers that you're going to be potentially um, bringing in, and that ultimately they show you that contract, bolt you onto that contract, and that you are splitting that compensation and sharing that revenue from the top down. So everything is clear, everything is transparent, and no matter what you have to do nationally or locally to enroll the case. There is most certainly enough compensation in it for not only the partnering firm, but obviously and moreover the the actual broker that's bringing you to the to the dance. That's a great
0: tip, and that's good to know. We've got about a minute or so left, and and oftentimes we like to ask our guests, and I'm going to ask you, what do you see as the future in in your case in enhanced benefits? Where do you see it going in terms of what position it takes in most benefits agencies and the acceptance on the part of employers and all of those things.
1: Sure, yeah, I mean, I think from from my perspective, the perception is slowly but surely changing from from the broker community to realizing that the only option they used to have, or in a lot of their opinion, still have, is a, is a single carrier rep. To realizing that there are more options out there, there are boutique benefit practices that represent what I would say is number four, that have that national footprint with the top carriers and underwriters and so forth. But I think the important thing is they're starting to more and more realize that clients, their actual commercial clients, HR departments and C-suite, they're relying on these brokers more and more and more, yet the compensation is getting squeezed every single day. So how can that advisor or broker be that end-all Person that end all be all through that account without adding new overhead and new uh, expense. Well, again, that's when it comes down to making sure you, you firm a strategic partnership with a trusted partner that you can that you can believe in. And then the last thing I would say on that is, again, it, it really goes back to, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but the brokers out in the community, they have to just be more proactive. They can't take a reactive approach. It has to be strategic. It has to be intentional. And I'll end on this. Choose their words wisely. Enhanced over voluntary, ancillary, worksite, and supplemental. Enhanced is, is going to start and further your, your conversation in a more professional manner.
0: That's a great place to leave our conversation for the day. Eric Silverman, principal and owner of Silverman Benefits Group. Eric, thank you for sharing your expertise with our audience. Hey, thank you. The Shift Shaper Podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.